0: sure I'm connected. Can you all hear me? It's it's a blessing and a privilege for me and my wife to be here this morning. Um, Yeah, if we can have our PowerPoint up. Great. And um, just, you know, the Lord, like uh, Pastor Luke shared, the Lord has called us to the ministry of reaching out to Muslims because he loves them. You know, he loves the, the Arabs, the Persians and uh, the Indonesians, people from all over the world who are trapped in this deception, in this lie of Islam. He created them not for that purpose, but to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so just wanna uh, really give glory to God for that. And um, I can switch to the other microphone if, let's see, uh, next slide. Okay, great. Yeah, this is our f- most recent fami- uh, photo of our family. We thank Renewal Church. Uh, this church has been journeying with us, praying for us, financially supporting us, and even sending out short-term missionary teams when we were in Central Asia for the over, even as we were going to seminary in 1995. So that's a long time, maybe before some of you were born. <laughs> so we're grateful for the prayer. And I just want to share a brief uh, just testimony of how God loves the Muslims. So on the screen, you're seeing Wad, that's his name. He's an Iraqi Muslim. And uh, can you say Marhaba? Malhaba. Okay, that's Arabic way of saying hello. When you say assalamu alaikum, which is the Muslim greeting, it means may the peace of Allah be upon you. But when you say that, even as a non-Muslim, they think you are a Muslim. So when we see Muslims here um, at Home Depot or Panera Bread, any one of those places, when you say marhaba, it's just... Actually, the origin of that phrase or that greeting comes from a Syriac Christian congregation, and it means God is love. Marhaba means love. So when we said marhaba to him, he smiled. We met him actually at a Chinese mission convention of all places. 3,000 Chinese from all over the world were there, in Baltimore this past winter. And we met him there, he was working the night shift. And when, I said, when we said marhaba to him, he smiled. And we asked him you know, how long has he been in the country, about five years, he helped with the US military in Iraq. And then our country pulled him out. So he's working, but his family, they're back in Iraq, in Baghdad. And he was concerned about his parents because of the bombing and the terrorism going back and forth. So I offered to, after talking for about a couple minutes, I offered to pray for his parents, and he said, yes. He's open to that. So we pray for peace and blessing upon his parents and upon Iraq in the name of Jesus. Afterwards, I asked him, uh, have you ever read the Bible since you are in America, which is a free country? You know, you can read the Bible. And he said, no, I never read it. I don't even have a copy of it. And we didn't have a copy of the Arabic Bible, but we had the Jesus film, which he's holding in his hands and we encouraged him to watch the Jesus film, The Life of Jesus DVD in Arabic. About a week later, we came back to the States, uh, to Leesburg, Virginia, he was still in Baltimore, and then he texted me, he watched the movie, he thought it was amazing, but he has a lot of questions, and he needed to talk to someone. So then we connected him with this man standing right next to him, Uh, he is an Arabic, an Egyptian pastor, Baptist pastor. They met for about a couple hours. Wad had a lot of questions. And this pastor was able to go through the scripture and share the gospel message with him. And he came to Christ. And so he texted me and he said, I am so excited. And eventually he got baptized in this pastor's church. So God uses a Korean American Presbyterian couple to connect this Iraqi Muslim man to an Egyptian pastor at a Chinese mission convention. <laughs> Our God is global, and this man comes to Christ. So since you've already learned how to say marhaba, that's all you have to say to an, a Muslim from an Arab country, a Saudi Arabians, you know, international students who are on your campus, maybe even at Villanova, just so to say marhaba, can I pray for you, your country, and God can open doors. The amazing thing is uh, we eventually connected this Egyptian pastor to a Korean church, Church of Philippi in Baltimore, because this pastor has a refugee center right in the the heart of Baltimore, but he's isolated from the rest of the Christian community. Not many are helping. So somehow this Church of Philippi, they said, we will help you this summer with uh, retreat. And they had the means and the resources So they opened up this retreat center, funded it, served them food, and a whole busload of refugees were able to go to that retreat center, have some time away from the business, from the chaos of trying to adjust to America, and to hear the gospel message. Because God was willing to use an obedient enable Korean church to open up their doors and their resources to people like this, that God is bringing from the ends of the earth to our country because he loves them. These are Syrians, these are Iraqis, these are Kurds. They have been ravaged by war and crisis and God says, come to me. But he's looking for a church, he's looking for someone like you to reach out to them, to pray for them in Jesus' name. And so, um, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what he's been doing for the last 2,000 years. Ever since, Jesus went back to the Father and he said, I will send the counselor, I I will send the comforter, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the way that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit, when he was with the disciples at the Last Supper, was this the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. So even as we sit here and we hear testimonies and read God's Word, the Holy Spirit will use the things that Jesus has taught and even the prophets from the Old Testament and remind us. And this pushes us, it behooves us for us to memorize scripture, right? If all we know about Bible is Jesus loves me, this I know, we don't want to limit the work of the Holy Spirit just to a few phrases. We need to meditate on, study, and memorize the word of God because the Holy Spirit will use that to encourage us, to challenge us, to convict us, to embolden us at those critical times when we need to hear from Him. And as we look at Acts chapter 5, uh, Pastor Luke went through the first part of that a couple weeks ago uh, in this kind of a very tragic, dramatic account of two, two people, two Christians, a couple, who lied for whatever reason, for, out of greed, you know, out of a desire for fame, reputation, recognition. They lied to, to God. And God took their lives. And then he says, great fear came upon the the church. And what I want to, in light of the rest of the passage, what I want to point out are two things. I believe God was consecrating the early church. You know, there was potential, possibility of people doing their own things driven by their own greed and God wanted to consecrate that. And this is repeated throughout his interaction with his people. And we see this in Old Testament, especially in Joshua 3, 5. As Joshua, now he has replaced Moses. Moses is gone. The people of Israel are about to go into the Promised Land, and there's a river that divides them, separates them from the Promised Land. And they're standing on the other side of the Jordan River, and then God tells Joshua, And through Joshua, God tells Israel, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. And that's God's heart. When I come, my presence comes. I cannot withstand wickedness or sin or deception. You know, God is a holy God. And in order for his power to be revealed, For him to do the miracle, he says, you need to consecrate yourself. And so the next day, you know, the the people obey and then God is able to part the Jordan River and everyone goes across to the promised land. Similarly in Korea, you know, if you know the history of Korea, we see Korea for where we're at. In the North, it's divided. In the North, it's given over to communist um, regime. In the South, it's a land where there are a lot of churches Big revival, many missionaries sent out from this small church, from small nation of about 48 million to the ends of the earth. And there is a testimony to this of God's work called the Korean Pentecost written in 19, uh, written um, by two missionaries of what happened in 1907. And actually the second author, Bruce Hunt, is the one who discipled my father And he's with the Lord. Both my father and his disciple are with the Lord. But my wife and I met his daughter. She worships at Glenside, one of the Presbyterian churches here. She's over 70. And I didn't know this, but her parents went through suffering. Her father was in jail in Manchuria for four years by the Japanese because he refused to worship Shinto, sun goddess. And so he suffered for our people. We are indebted to so many missionaries who came even from America and suffer for our people. You know, those of us who have Korean uh, background. But what you see when you read this, what you see is that when God's Holy Spirit was poured out upon our nation, one of the first things that happened was that everyone in the church repented of their sins. They could not hide anything. They had to come out before the public, even the pastors, even the missionaries, came out before God and confessed the sin of prejudice, of greed, of hatred, unforgiveness so that God could work in the church, through the church to impact the world. The second reason for consecration is because God desires intimacy with us, with the church. He desires to speak to us, reveal his will to us. But if our hearts are full of sin, then we cannot hear the voice of God. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This is not only in eternity when we die and go to heaven, but it's even right now. He desires to speak to us. He wants us to know his heart. Psalm 24, you know, those who have clean hands and a pure heart, one of the praise songs that we just worship, when we have pure heart that we can hear from God, And so in summary, the Holy Spirit that's here in the church, this is his church. He wants a clean church. He wants a church that's pure, that reflects his holiness. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal God's power to the world through the church, going outward. God wants to reveal his power to the world through you. But also, Holy Spirit wants to reveal God's plan for the church, for the world to the church. And this is where we need the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. Sensitivity to hear the the voice of God, to know how to engage with the lost people around us. Because as you hear from the Lord, there will be fruit. And I'll explain more about that, you know, as we continue. So as we look at this passage, Holy Spirit will empower the church to draw the lost people to Christ. So let's look again at Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I know uh, Pastor Luke read through the passage, but I just want to highlight uh, verses 12, 15, and 16, and it's on the screen. And it says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits and all of them were healed. And I don't know if you have witnessed miraculous healings or even demons being cast out. We have growing up in Korea, but especially on the mission field. And as we were studying our church, which was going through persecution, one of the books that we studied was the Book of Acts. You know, and we preached that on Sundays. And our members would say, oh, what we read in chapter 5 is happening right now in our church. And we saw amazing, miraculous things. you know. Muslims having dreams and visions of Jesus. And so they step into the church. And so they, they pick up the Bible. Because It's the work of God in their lives, the miraculous presence of God that opens their hearts. And I'm gonna invite my lovely wife to come up to tell you a story, a testimony about Jamila, this Tajik Muslim woman who came to Christ.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Jamila is about a, now about my age, and Jamila is a nurse. When I met her, uh, she was brought to our woman's Bible study one day through a, um, a woman um, like a Samaritan woman at the well, who came, who met Jesus, and now she's telling all the people in their village to come and see. And so Jamila was one of those women who who was brought uh, to our Bible study to just come and see to check out what is this. Jesus who is this Jesus and when she heard about Jesus forgiving the woman at the well she was really humbled and then she came again to the uh, Sunday worship on that Sunday worship there was a a native Uzbek pastor who was an ex-Muslim came to Christ and he was just proclaiming you know one day with Jesus my life was transformed and he forgave all of my sins. And now I am living for the kingdom of God, living God. And, and the Lord Jesus wants to invite you into his kingdom. Would you come? And so Jamila that day, she heard the gospel again. And she said, Lord, I, I want to be forgiven of all my sins. And I want to experience the freedom that you have for me. And so she came forward, received Jesus. But that day as she was walking back home, her friend, her name is Gulbahor the one who brought her to church, challenged her and said, hey, Jamila, are you sure? Are you sure you are saved? Have you asked Jesus for forgiveness of all of your sins? Every one of them that you committed in your life. And Jamila felt ashamed. And then she felt, you know, no, I haven't. Maybe I am not really forgiven. Maybe I am not saved. She went home that day and that night she struggled. She said, You know, the doubts started to come in and work in her heart. But she got the boldness to say, Jesus, if you're true, you're, if you're truly the Savior of my life, could you show me? Show me that you have forgiven all my sins. I need a sign. She asked for that and she just lay down to sleep. Within a few minutes, she felt something in her body and it was like a water. And she felt the water swishing in her body, like just from down from her feet, working upward to her legs, her stomach, chest, and she felt like something was churning and she felt and heard the uh, swishing sound. And then she just sat up and then she just wiped her arm and it was wet with water. And she was just so astounded. How could this be? And then she recognized for the first time in her life the headache she was suffering for past 20 years due to a car accident when she was like 12 years old. And the the pounding noise that she could not get rid of all those years just came to still. And there was no more headache, no more pounding noise. And then she said, you know, this is so weird. Lord Jesus, is this you? Could this be Jesus showing me his power? And then she lay down to sleep. The next morning she got up. She was completely freed. She was healed. And so uh, she walked to our church, morning service, 6 o'clock in the morning. And then she began to worship the Lord. And she did not tell us this for about three weeks because she wanted to make sure this healing was real and permanent. And then after about three weeks, she came forward to the church and said, God had truly healed me, and he healed me this way through his miraculous sign. And the presence of the Holy Spirit, I believe, was working in her and revealing his power to Jamila personally. And so this is what God is doing in our day. When you ask, when a Muslim woman who was struggling with witchcraft and and, and seeking for, for help, even her medical help, for all, all around the city, there was no, no use, no help, but one day with the Lord, she was set free. Praise the Lord, amen, thank
0: you. So I'm um, thankful for my wife. We've been married uh, over 26 years, my BFF, my partner in crime, you know, as God is sending us to the Muslim countries, thank God she hasn't deserted me or left me, but we've, and some of you know we got arrested, I got arrested in 2005, um, and then we were kicked out of the country, but even till today, you know, she's there um, walking the journey with me, and I just pray that for all the couples here, whatever ministry that God has called you to, that the two of you would journey that faithfully and with the Holy Spirit's power. And the scripture passage that I have up there is what I believe the Lord revealed to Jamila. The Holy Spirit is that living water in her, cleaning her. And amazingly, um, well, you know, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Even though her husband hasn't come to Christ, all her seven children have come to Christ. And her oldest son, who's being baptized here on the same day that Jamila was baptized. He's now a pastor. Amen. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to, to impact, impact that household through a simple miracle. Mm-hmm. And as we read on, uh, the third point is that Holy Spirit will guard and guide the church. You know, in the life of the church, he consecrates the church, consecrates us, the body of Christ. He empowers us but he will also guide the church and guard it, protect it as well. So we, re- we see this in Acts 5, 17 through 21. And here we see that the high priest and all the r- religious rulers are jealous of the apostles. And it, as we read on, it's, they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And then he says, and these are in the words of our Lord through the angel to the apostles, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. And we must be thinking, the apostles must be thinking, are you, you, you know, is this crazy? We just were arrested, put into jail. Now you want us to go back to the place that we were arrested and preach again the same news to be persecuted again, to suffer again. And yet, we see the church obeying because that was the will of the Father, that was the will of the Holy Spirit. And so the one who protected them, the one who guided them and guarded them is now sending them back out to the streets. And that's know reveals once again what Jesus promised to us in Matthew 16, 18, he says that to Peter and to us, that I tell you that on you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Wherever Jesus sends the church, his disciples, even to the ends of the earth, even to Uzbekistan, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, he says I will protect that. I will build my church. And even if you get arrested, just like in Acts chapter 5, the verses that we read, God can even do a miraculous deliverance, open the prison gates, bring his people out, only to send them back out to the street to preach the gospel. That's God's plan that he wants to reveal to us. And renewal, you know, in America, having been here for the last seven years, coming back from the mission field, to me, I, I, I identify two idols that we have in America. One is the love of money, it's the American dream. The second is security. We're afraid and we, we don't go to places that are hostile. We don't say things that are politically incorrect for fear that we would be ostracized, for fear that we will receive an F in our university classes or we'll be fired. I believe the Holy Spirit will challenge some of us, some of you to rise up and speak against either the injustice, the prejudice, or just the immoral lifestyle that's just going right, right across our nation. And this motif or this pattern of the Holy Spirit empowering the church and then revealing his plan for the church just repeats throughout Acts chap- uh, the book of Acts. So in Acts 16, we see Paul Verses 6 through 10. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So that's interesting. With that, you know, God would want Paul to preach wherever he went, but the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going to preach here. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God, would have, God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so here is a map of Paul's second missionary journey, and he's following the track westward, but there were a couple times that he wanted to turn eastward. Especially at Bithynia, towards Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit says no. And he crosses over to Macedonia because of the vision, because of the Holy Spirit's guidance, and then he sees fruit there in Philippi, you know, and other parts of uh, Greece, what is today's Greece. And I believe the church sometimes, if we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we do our own thing and we don't see fruit. Again, we need to ask God, God, open the doors, close the doors that you don't want us to go to. Open the doors that you want us to go to. Just like Apostle Paul, the super missionary, even he, you know, he had his own plan to turn eastward towards Bithynia and and the Holy Spirit says, no, actually I want you to go in the other direction. I believe... Even here, where you're at, in in this region of Philadelphia, there is harvest that's plentiful. People like Wad are here. And you need to ask God, God, can you send me to those people, the lost sheep whose hearts are open, and he will. But are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Is your heart consecrated? If you have sin, if we have sin in our lives, we cannot hear from God and we end up futilely, it's a futile activity or exercise, and we can easily burn out. And so for just quick summary of our journey, after my wife and I got married in 1991, we thought God was sending us to Egypt. So we were looking at joining a team in Cairo, Egypt, but within the first two years, that team that we wanted to join disappeared. They fell apart, they were kicked out of the country, and we felt like God closed that door. Few years later, after we went through seminary, God opened the door to Central Asia, to Uzbekistan. It wasn't to Middle East, it was to Central Asia. And we obeyed God's leading, and our home sending church, both Renewal, and also Open Door Presbyterian Church in, in Virginia. They said, this is, you know, we affirm this direction, so we went there. And it was a country of about 26 million, mostly Muslims, And we settled down in Samarkand, an ancient city. And then we lived about a year and a half with this family that you see on the screen. And the man sitting in the middle is an ex-KGB agent. He worked for KGB for 20 years. And we signed a contract to live with him for a year and a half as his tenants. And we thought, okay, is this smart or dumb for a missionary family to move in with a KGB family? And it turned out, as we were going into this country, we needed to live with a local host family to learn their language and culture. But not only were they Muslim, the landlord was also KGB. And we're thinking, okay, is this smart? Because if we go in and he turns us over, then we'll be arrested and kicked out of the country. But as we prayed with our team leader, God gave us a sense of peace that we're supposed to move in. Because in this village that this landlord was living in, there were no missionaries and no Christians. And they needed a family to move in there. And we happened to be that family. And so we moved in, and we lived a year and a half. We learned language from them, learned how to cook, how to navigate through the city. And during our one and a half years with them, we had Bible study meetings there, prayer meetings, even worship Sunday worship services, and the police never came. We never got arrested. But something happened the very first night that we were staying there, and I saw a woman, older woman, dressed in uh, like the uh, the local custom, and she had a hijab, a headscarf on, and she came into my dream. She took her two hands, and she thrust them into my stomach, and both hands went all the way through my stomach, came out the other side, broke my bones, and I woke up screaming in pain. And as I woke up, I still felt her hands in my stomach. She didn't pull them out. And Faith woke up with me because of my scream. And we both felt the demonic presence in the room. And it was as if Satan was saying to us, welcome to my territory. This is my domain, this is my kingdom. You're not in America with your Christian friends. You're in my land. What are you doing here? And Satan, just like on the scripture, uh, the scripture that you see on the screen, was like a roaring lion. And he wanted to put fear in us to immobilize us so that we don't do anything or even get out of this place. And the Lord, that night, we stayed up one hour to pray. The next day when we got up, we fasted and prayed and asked God to come. Asked the Holy Spirit to come and cleanse all the place. And we we took our guitar and we sang worship songs through all the rooms that we were renting from this Muslim family because you don't know what the Muslims have done, what rituals they have done in those rooms. And God wanted us to exercise our faith in praising and worshiping Jesus so that he would come and be the king over this household where we were living. And 2 Timothy 4.18, can you read this with me? It's on the screen. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. If you believe that you can go anywhere in the world, even tomorrow you can go to Syria and help with the refugees. Just because you go to Syria tomorrow does not mean you will die 20 years earlier than you should. then Jesus has no authority. He has no authority. But just because you stay in America does not mean you will live 20 years longer than you should. We could all die, just like what happened in Texas, in church service, if a gunman comes in. If it is your time to go to be with the Lord, he will take you home, whether you're in America or in Syria. And Paul knew this. And he says this at the end of his life in Rome, about to be martyred. And he says with confidence, I know that Jesus has rescued me and he will rescue me from every evil attack, from the stonings, from whatever demonic attacks, persecution, illness, Jesus has rescued him until that final moment when it's time to go home. The Church of America needs, we need to embrace this truth again so that we have no fear in going to the other parts of the world. And I wanna come to the part where it's just amazing why God sent us into KGB home, because our landlord's father, their parents, the parents are on the screen, 70 years old. He had four sons. I became like the fifth son. Faith was the fifth daughter-in-law. And time to time, my wife would make Korean food, and this man loved kimchi, so he would come and, and eat with us. And he watched Jesus' film with us about seven times and his heart began to open up, and he became a Christian. And so we gave him a Tajik Bible on his 70th birthday. And then the fourth daughter-in-law that you see on the screen, she, was, she lived right next to us. So we were in a complex. There were like five families living together. She was right next to us. Her husband was abusive. Whenever he abused, you know, would get drunk and beat her up. She would come to our home with her three daughters, little ones. Faith would pray for them, comfort this woman, feed them, and eventually she became a Christian. And you know, this is what she said to my wife. Because my wife, we were learning Tajik language. And time to time, as faith would pray for her, she would pray in English, Korean, and Tajik, whatever language came up from the heart. And then ghouly, this woman, would say, wow, your God understands all languages. My, my God only understands Arabic. But also, your God answers prayers. My God doesn't. And that's why she came to Christ. So when you pray for Muslims, pray in Jesus' name. And you can pray in Chinese or Korean you know, or English. God understands all languages. What we didn't know as we were going into this household was this principle and why the Holy Spirit came. Because Jesus says this so clearly in Matthew 12, as, we, as he cast out the demons, and there was you know, the accusation from the enemies, oh, you're doing this by the power of Satan. And Jesus says, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. God was saying to us, James and Faith, are you ready to come into this Muslim household? And he was saying, actually, you're not ready. You're more afraid of moving in with a KGB landlord than living with a group of people who worship idols. That's what you should be afraid of because it's a spiritual warfare. In the West, that's what we were afraid of. And God was saying, no, that's not an issue. That's just physical or mortal danger. You should be afraid of the demonic spirits that are in this house because they worship idols. And as we fasted and prayed, I believe the Holy Spirit came and bound up Satan, cut off his work so that people's hearts became open and they could hear the gospel and they came to Christ. If you want to see things happen here, right in here this area, I would encourage Renewal Church to fast and pray once a week. That's another way to lose 300 um, calories. (laughs) No, not just football. And build up your spiritual weapons to fight against the enemy because we don't see the way he operates with our physical eyes. But he is here, and he has the people in his hands. He doesn't want to let them go. You have to fight on your knees to release them. And that's what God taught us. And so during our time there, starting with Samarkand, because of this nightmare that God allowed to come into my life, God was saying, wake up. It's a spiritual warfare. Are you ready? Why don't you fast and pray? So every Wednesday, we would fast and pray and God started bringing people whose hearts were open into our lives. So there in summer, Uzbekistan, we saw over 100 Muslims come to Christ, baptized them, and started a house church. Not that we are anyone special, but because it's the Holy Spirit working through us, and that's what he desires to do through you, even on your campus. And so be open to that. Um, this is a jail, a county jail that Faith, my wife and I go, and I go every Thursday afternoon. And uh, within this past few months, three times there was a lockdown. Lockdown means um, you cannot go in. There's something happened. And so the Bible study is canceled. And so, you know, I only drive 20 minutes, but there are guys who drive over an hour and a half from D.C. They take time off from work, and they come, and it's shut down. And it's discouraging. So we start. we can, you know, grumble. But it's amazing. All those three times, as we were... Kind of grumbling and saying, okay, at least we are here. Why don't we pray? So I was praying with Paul, this other guy. God, you know, someone would step into the lobby and all three times they were ready to hear the gospel. They came to Christ. And so I call that kingdom detours. When you get pulled over by a policeman, by a, you know, deputy, maybe, okay, partly it's your fault you were speeding. Maybe God wants that deputy to hear the gospel. Why don't you offer that opportunity? you know, since we already have this time, can I just, you know, share this message with you? (laughs) And you may, may, he'll still give you the fine, you know. (laughs) But please be aware of kingdom detours that happen in our lives. And so this, you know, whenever this happens, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes there are lockdowns. There have been lockdowns six, seven times. Half of the time, God has opened the doors. Twice, once it was a Puerto Rican young man, once a white young guy, And another time, it was an older grandma. She was white from West Virginia. She was there to pick up her granddaughter. And she came to Christ. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. There are lost people all around us. But will you be obedient and sensitive to the Holy Spirit to go to them? If we are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, this is what can happen. So in 2001, 9-11 happened. We were living in Samarkand, which is only four hours north of Afghanistan. And U.S. Embassy called us up one day, called me up and said, sir, we noticed that you're an American citizen. We're pulling up all the Peace Corps, all the American people out from the southern part of Uzbekistan. Actually, we want you to leave our country, Uzbekistan, because we have no presence where you are and we cannot protect you. And my wife and I prayed, we prayed with our team leader who happened to be in America, but also there were other missionaries in our city, some from other countries. And as we prayed, we sensed that there was peace in our city. And plus our landlord, you know, who was ex-KGB, he didn't want to lose his rent, which we we were paying. And he said, no, I'll cover you, I'll protect you, you don't have to go. (laughs) So nothing happened. In the next country over in Kyrgyzstan, U.S. Embassy called all the missionaries and said the same thing. And the missionary agency leaders heeded, listened to the advice from the U.S. government who has lower authority than Jesus. And so 300 missionaries pulled out and came back to the States for about three, four months, and nothing happened. So then when they went back to Kyrgyzstan, this is what the local pastors said, the Kyrgyz pastors who had kind of discouraged American missionaries from going back because they said, there's no credible threat. But when they came back, they said to the missionaries, we can no longer respect you. You pulled out, you left us. And so they lost credibility. And that's what happens when we listen to the voice of the world, even the voice of US government. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Just like he told the disciples, go back to the street, preach, and you'll get arrested again. You will get flogged, but keep going back. I will guard you. And if it's time for you to go home, so be it. And the early church obeyed. And finally, the Holy Spirit grows the church. And going back to verses 13 and 14, you know, even as the miracles were happening and because of the persecution, it says no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. And I pray that that would be the testimony of Renewal Church, that people around you looking at your lives, looking at the marriage relationships and your children very well behaved, right? And they would look at your parenting and say, wow, regarding you very highly, maybe afraid to join a church because they might be labeled you know, narrow-minded. Um, all these things that Christians radical, um, too conservative. But verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. God will bring the lost into his church, regardless of what happens around them. That's his desire. So in both in times of persecution and times of peace, uh, if you've Go a few chapters later, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. There was a period of persecution, and then it pauses. And it says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. And God is able to do that, both in times of persecution and times of peace. But just because we are going through persecution or we're about to say things that are politically incorrect and face persecution, it doesn't mean that those are moments that we keep silent. God may actually want you to speak out even more loudly, boldly, about what is happening around us and allow the Lord to use that. I want to introduce this pastor. Uh, pastor Shafkad, we, my wife and I met him after we got kicked out of Uzbekistan. We moved to Kyrgyzstan, uh, settled down in a city called Jalalabad, and he is an Uzbek pastor. He once faced a group of 2,000 men who called him out. As soon as, right after he came to Christ, they called him out into the middle of the town square 2,000 men with axe and shovel. They wanted to kill him and bury him right away. And um, his brother and cousin, so three men and their wives had come to Christ, but they only called the men out. And so Shavkat and his brother and cousin came to the middle of this crowd. They parted, allowed them to come to the middle. They closed up, they were saying, Allah Akbar, which means God is great, and they were about to kill him. And Holy Spirit led Shavkat to lift his right um, right arm straight up to heaven. As soon as he pointed towards the sky, a wind came down from heaven. And it was the Holy Spirit. It's the fear of God that came down. And it, came, it descended on the center, on the three men, and then it, it flowed out to the people around them. And five, six layers of men encircling them, they were all thrown back. And the whole crowd became silent because they felt the presence of God. And they never felt anything like that before. And no one dared to speak because they knew they could be killed by whoever was there. And Shavkat knew who came. He was the spirit of God. So he took that opportunity to share the gospel, held up his Bible and said, you know, I grew up as a Muslim, and he was drunkard, you know, he would beat up people, you know my life. But one day with this book, God changed my my life. I follow Jesus, if you don't like me, you can kill me. No one said anything. They could not give a response. And it was during that time, the police came and drove right into the middle because they thought these three men were creating a riot or demonstration. They quickly arrested them, put them in the count, the city jail, and the U.S. Embassy heard about it, and they put pressure on Kyrgyz government to not let anything happen to these converts, Muslims who came to Christ, to protect them. Otherwise, U.S. will cut off aid. So that's one good thing the U.S. government did in the history of their relationship with Kyrgyzstan. And so. You know, Kyrgyz government said, sure, you know, there are just three guys. So they let them be. Amazingly, he came back to his city. And this is church. You know, it, he, he started having a po- powerful witness. Actually, God has healed people, even through him. And we wonder why it doesn't happen here. Well, you know, we're not going through the persecution. When Muslims come to Christ, Jesus is the only one, only thing they have. They lost everything else. And so working with Pastor Shafkat, my wife and I were able to go to three villages and plant churches in three villages. 40 Muslims came to Christ and were baptized in that one year. He's like Apostle Paul, a powerful evangelist. And this is the passage that um, just by God's sovereign design that was read earlier by Pastor Luke, That you and I, that we no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ who died for us. We don't chase after the American dream. We don't build our own kingdom. We build God's kingdom. And so I want to remind you, the church is a filled hospital. We come here whenever we get wounded, whenever we need help. This is where Pastor Luke is like a surgeon, you know, and he, God works through him to bring healing into our lives. The church is not a luxury hospital where we come and stay and stay as long as we want and just cater to our own needs while the rest of the world is dying. It is a spiritual warfare. There are only two kings, two kingdoms constantly at war and God wants renewal church to be a church that steps up. In this battlefield right here to see the dead coming to Christ. And so please get involved through ESL ministry, through prison Bible study, work at homeless shelter that's close by, tutoring children, a lot of refugee children need help. Their parents cannot speak English. Evangelistic Bible study on campuses, just invite them. You will never know the Chinese, mainland Chinese students are coming, you know, Muslim students are coming to these kind of places. Many of them are having dreams and visions. Already, the Holy Spirit is working in them. He's just looking for those who would obey Him in asking them into a Bible study or even praying for them in Jesus' name. And as we, as I conclude, I just want to point out Acts 1:8. At the beginning of this book, this is what Jesus promised us: "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem." in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in parentheses, I put in the original Greek language, the word for witness is martyres. And those of you who know Greek, or actually it sounds very similar in English, and and the word is martyr. And so when Jesus was speaking in Aramaic, and it was being written down in Greek, the Holy Spirit guided, inspired Luke to use the word martyr. Because during that time, the connotation was that you testify of what you've seen. But those who began to martyr or testify of Jesus began to die for him. What Jesus says about Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you. So in English, the word martyr now has more of a connotation of those who die for their faith. So when they translated the Bible into English, The translators decided not to use the word martyr, but witness. But in Arabic Bible, the word Shahid has two connotations, to testify and to die for. They didn't change the meaning. How do we know when the Holy Spirit was inspiring Luke that he intended those of us who would testify of Jesus would also die for Jesus? Just like the Coptic Christians were beheaded. We need to pencil this in back in our Bibles because we took it out. Because we think in America persecution is not part of the design or plan of God, but it is. If you look at the early church, they had periods of persecution, of martyrdom, but that being set free from fear of death, they were able to do amazing things for God. There's an excellent book that I just, I've read about a year ago. I highly recommend it to all of you, Killing Christians. Terrible title, but great book. Um, It's an account of what's happening amongst Muslims right now. About dreams and visions they're having behind closed borders. And so one of them is about a young couple, Iraqi couple. They come to Christ through dreams and visions. And this man becomes a powerful witness for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit starts speaking to him, encouraging him to take Bibles, to go to the mosque and hand them out. So one of the, he drives from city to city and one of the mosques he goes to is the Grand Mosque or the the biggest mosque in Mosul, which was occupied by ISIS until recently. But right before the jihadist, ISIS, came into the city, he was handing out the Bibles, 300 Bibles in this one mosque. And the plan was that he and his wife would go to the next city. But then when they wake up the next Friday morning, this young man hears from the Lord, from Jesus, I want you to go back to the mosque. Today you're coming home to be with me. God spoke, Holy Spirit spoke those words. So when his wife got up, he said to his wife, Jesus told me I'm going home to be with him. And his wife knew what was happening. And she said, please don't go to that mosque. And this man said this, how can I refuse the one who died for me? If I die and go to heaven, the Lord will take care of you and our our two kids. So he obeys Jesus, he goes to the mosque as he's handing out by the, the Bibles, Again, to the Muslims who are coming to Friday prayer, he's arrested, tortured, and then killed, beheaded. And his wife later recovers the body and buries buries him. And as I was reading this chapter, I started crying. Not so much because the way he died, but because I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I don't hear from him like that. And we're not hearing like that here in America because he's not the only thing we have. And I think we need to recapture that in our lives. And so may I encourage Renewal Church, would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your lives? Even to the point of going to those places that are hostile. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. Father, we are... Grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, of the salvation that we have. But it's more than that, Father. And we pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will will guide us to those places, to those people, even hostile places, and empower us to be a powerful witness, powerful martyr for the sake of Jesus, wherever you would send us.